Hello and welcome to Behind the Bearcat. This is the podcast where the Northwest Missouri State University Career Services Office chats with Northwest faculty, staff, students, alumni, and friends to hear about their career journeys, how they got to where they are, and how they became Bearcats. I'm Career Services Assistant Director Travis Klein. And I am the Director of Career Services here at Northwest. And my name is Hannah, by the way, <laughs> if you didn't know that, because sometimes I forget my own name in that introduction. But enough about me, because we're really here for today's guest, who is... My name is Jeff Bradley, and I'm an instructor in geology here at Northwest. I've been doing this for quite a while, so glad to be here. Geology. Glad to have you here. Welcome. <laughs> geology, that's right. I could yeah. have had a backpack, a rock hammer, <laughs> I guess, maybe for some visuals, yeah. You could have taken us out in the field. We could have had a FaceTime oh, or a, 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 in the wild. That would so be good. tell us... How you, Jeff, got from the beginning of Jeffness to geology instructor. Very fascinated to hear this. Well, well okay. You may, don't set the bar too high. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I really kind of stumbled my way into it. I mean, I've always had an interest of natural science. Uh, growing up, we were out camping and boating and traveled a lot and Loved the mountains anytime I got out there, but I wasn't thinking any kind of a career. In fact, I was thinking about a career in meteorology coming out of high school. So still earth science, but not not geology. And um, went to grad school after after my time here at Northwest. I I, I liked the I, I loved it here at Northwest. And but actually, what brought me to Northwest wasn't even science. It was uh, music because I was really active in music in high school, and I really liked. What they had, to, I wasn't wanting to major in music. I just really liked that as an activity on the side. And so probably wasn't the best way to choose a university, but uh, uh, luckily it worked out. And after graduating here, I went to Oklahoma State and uh, got a, a master's in, in geography. And that was, my bachelor's also was geography here at Northwest. And right at the end of my graduate work, I had a phone call out of the blue from my undergraduate advisor and ask if they if I'd be interested in coming up and teaching some earth science classes. Um, he knew I was about done with my master's, and they luckily for me, they were desperate at the time. They had someone that uh, left early in the summer, which was a really bad time to be leaving. <laughs> yeah, I thought it'd be great. And I, I fully came in here expecting to teach for a couple of years, get our feet under us. We uh, newlyweds, and we were expecting our first child in a few months. So I was just happy to have a job with benefits. I mean, that's probably not the best thing to say, but uh, that's the truth. And But I, we did love the town. We liked the campus. We weren't anxious to leave after graduation, you know, and, but I didn't really think it'd be long-term. And within a year, I bet just even that first crazy year, as, as wild as it was, uh, just fell in love with it. Loved teaching. I loved being back on campus, back in Maryville, and suddenly started to think maybe this is kind of a career that I hadn't considered before and and uh that was and fast, years ago. that's what i was gonna say <laughs> fast forward how many more years yeah. yeah i'm in my 33rd year now so i i guess it's time to call it a career <laughs> it's amazing how many times that kind of story has come through on the podcast though you know we had dr matt baker on a few seasons ago and you know he was mm -hmm. like oh i plan to stay for three years and that was 30 years ago so i mean it's i yeah. think that there's a lot of us that didn't anticipate working at northwest and have stayed longer than we ever thought we would. So it's kind yeah. of funny how that comes up. And Oklahoma State, we've had so many Oklahoma State grads really? on. As the, um, You wouldn't think there'd be that many, but there are quite a few on the Northwest campus. So 
Bearcats and Cowboys, I guess. So we loved it down there. We we fully intended I had, before I got that phone call from my advisor. We, we were looking at jobs there, or maybe Tulsa or Oklahoma City or someplace mm-hmm. in Oklahoma. We really liked it down there. Uh, Stillwater seemed like a, a large Maryville to us. So that's how it felt uh, while we were down there. And uh, but yeah, we were happy to come back and and our kids have gone to school here, and it's just yeah, this is very much home. <laughs> Love it. So why did you choose geography as a major for, for your bachelor's degree? Yeah, I think, again, that probably goes back to just how I, growing up, spent so much time outside. Just and, and that was probably the closest fit. As I said, I came here not, not really looking for science, but looking for something that would eventually get me to meteorology, maybe. But And, and geography at the time, that, that was really the closest fit. And really, still to this day, we don't have a, a meteorology program. I really liked the campus, really liked the school. And I thought, okay, physical geography, that's a lot of earth science. And that might kind of set the stage for that uh, and can provide that foundation. And uh, even though it wasn't meteorology, it did provide my foundation for what I ended up doing in the earth sciences teaching, which was kind of funny because I was adamant about not teaching for a career. I I had so many people asking me, oh, are you going to teach? That was like the next question after... I talked to someone, someone I hadn't seen for a while, you know, and they'd ask me what I'm majoring in. And once they heard of the geography, the very next question was ultimately is going to be, are you teaching? And I just got so sick of answering that question. No, it's like go off into some big spiel about all these things I could do with geography beyond teaching. And then that's all I've done. I was taught ever since. (laughs) So coming back to teach, I would imagine that's one of those things, you know, geology, those earth science classes. Those are classes that a lot of, I know that I took an earth science class as one of my general education classes. So you have students who aren't maybe science students in there. So um, you interact with a lot of students in Northwest. It's not just the science majors. You're getting to work with with all kinds of students throughout your time here. So, Right. Yeah, it, it's it's good. I like it. I mean, there, there's good and bad. It's, it's always nice if you have a group of students that are just really fired up about whatever the topic is. And yeah, that maybe doesn't happen all the time in the core classes, but it's only fair because this is the universe saying, okay, here, here's karma coming back on you, Jeff. Cause I remember some of my <laughs> core classes, I probably wasn't fired up about all of those. So I guess I'm on the other side of that fence. So it's only fair, but it's kind of nice. Even just seeing a few students out there that you can just tell are really engaged and really you know, out there nodding and think, Oh yeah. You know, answer some questions from time to time. And that, that, makes a big difference too but i just i i love the subjects i teach i uh, the size of the class the reason i think i like teaching and i never thought i would i i get to stay engaged in a lot of the different areas within geography um so i still get to talk about meteorology i teach our meteorology class every other year i teach climatology i teach natural disasters but i also get to do some things in environmental subjects i teach a conservation class i uh so i just get to dabble in all these different areas and I didn't have to pigeonhole into any one niche or one subfield that I might have done if I'd gone with just meteorology. Um, and, and and so I, I love that about it. And I, I love that there's enough continuity. I'm not always off balance and having to just relearn everything. But at the same time, things change every few months. New semester, new group of students. Every class has a different personality. So there's enough change that it's not monotonous and and that sort of thing either. So it's just been a great mix. When you started teaching, did, I've had some people say this, like I taught my first few, you know, my first year, my first few classes, and then there was a light bulb went on and I just knew that I was meant to teach. 
Was that how it happened for you or was there a different process? Maybe a light bulb on a dimmer switch, possibly, and it slowly over time got brighter. That maybe would be a better analogy. Yeah, no, I, you know, I, I can't really think of a moment when, I mean, I've had moments over the over the years, especially early on, when I would teach something, I, I would be forced to explain something differently to a student and uh, a different way of understanding something than what I was used to or the way I learned it. And it was a challenge. And at the time, maybe it was something that's kind of a stressful situation. But then coming out of that, I realized oh, that's kind of that's kind of neat. I, I actually did just teach something. I had to learn something in a different way and explain it in a different way. And it worked. The light bulb clicked on with the student. And so that those kinds of moments, I have had those. But as far as just teaching as a whole, no, I think just after that first year, I, I just settled into the lifestyle a little bit and, and the schedule, the routine. And I liked being able to shift gears and talk about different subjects. Uh, all of them were fascinating to me, all of these subjects that I like being involved with. And I and I, I like that, I think. So it wasn't maybe just a, yeah, <laughs> lightning or something like that. <laughs> Not a lightning striking moment. Not necessarily, no. <laughs> Can you, speaking of switching subjects, let's switch a little bit. Talk to me about music. I know you love music oh. and tell, <laughs> yeah. talk to us a little bit about your passion of music. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's more than... I mean, you say it's a hobby, I guess, but I think it's really more than that because our, my whole family has been involved with music. I, I'm the only one in the family, uh, my wife and, and two kids, that I, I'm the only one without a music degree. So I'm kind of the oddball in that way. They all have uh, either music education or music performance degrees. I That was something, again, in high school, I got really involved with that. I just really gravitated towards that, I guess, as a, an extracurricular activity, you know, and really enjoyed it. And I, I wanted to continue some of that. And, college, but I wasn't seeing that as a path to a career. I, I didn't think, I didn't really want to teach music. I, I wasn't going to be a performer making a living doing that either, but I just want to have that on the side. And and uh, so while I was earning my degree, it was, it was, it was a nice balance to have something completely removed from science, taking up part of my time, taking up some of my brain cells, to focus on learning new music or whatever it might be, a scheduling issue or something, a performance coming up. And then go back to science as well. And then it's just still to this day, my my wife and I, we sing at weddings, we sing at our church, we've been just involved with lots of things. And then our, our kids graduated here with music degrees, and they're both actually applying their degrees. Our, our daughter teaches music at uh, Smith Cotton in Sedalia at the junior high, and then our son's a musician in the Chicago area. And he, I just say he's a musician because he just, he has a lot of jobs, actually. <laughs> And he likes that, though. He works with Loyola University. He works with a, a church in Evanston and does vocal coaching. And he's just conducting or he's at the keyboard. And they both enjoy having careers in music. And so it's kind of nice to see that. What kind of music were you involved with in at Northwest? Were you in the marching band? Were you in like the symphonic band? Did you take, right. I mean, you said you weren't a major, but if you were doing, you know, shows and stuff like that, I assume that you were involved in some of the activities around it. Yeah, um, my wife and I are both in vocal music. And our kids, when they were here, too, vocal music. So we were in uh, University Chorale and, and Tower Choir, Northwest Celebration, all those kinds of things. And so it's kind of fun to go back. And uh, we have had a celebration reunion, in fact, this past summer for the, the vintage years from 1980 to 2000, I think, when uh, Dr. Rick Wymouth was here as a, as a director. And so all of us that had him as our director at that time, we, we got together for a reunion. And that was nice to 
touch bass, but uh, yeah, vocal. I do play guitar as well, but that's just, I play well enough to just kind of have fun and <laughs> nothing serious, not in a band or other than the praise team at our church. And that's, that's really enjoy that. But um, no, very much a, a more vocal heavy uh, background for me. I was going to say, it's interesting that you mentioned, I don't think we talk about this or think about this a lot, but having two very different interests kind of allows you to give your brain a little bit of a break, right? You can shut off that focus on the one and kind of relax or focus into this one and kind of swing back and forth. I just thought that was something interesting to pull out there. It was very good. And I encourage my students now to get involved and not just in something within their major, uh, but try to look for something outside, whether it be sports, if it's something to do with athletics, if it's just a club, fishing club, it doesn't matter. It could be the choirs, it could be band, anything at all, but just something to just take your attention in a completely different direction and and just unplug from whatever pressing major related stuff that you have going on. And, And that for me, it worked out great though. We often talk about it in terms of like networking, because when you're in your discipline, right? Everyone else is in your discipline you have those connections with people who are in all different disciplines. If you're into, you know, music on the side as a hobby or a sport, right? Mm-hmm. Not everybody has to be in that. So um, we often tell students, you just never know. I actually, I played my badminton doubles partner here at Northwest is uh, Phyllis Adams, <laughs> who's the <laughs> IT director for Maryville school district now. Um, but oh. she wasn't thin. She wasn't thin. We were just doubles partners in badminton, but you know, I never would have met Phyllis if I, you know, was just going and doing science stuff as well my first time around, so. Some of our best friends to this day are from our years in Tower Choir Celebration, going on tours. Uh, it's really a lot of bonds developed when you're living on a bus for several days <laughs> with people. You know who you really like and you know who you don't really like at the end of that trip. But, uh, but no, yeah. Session-based learning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And, and but those are great experiences, and, and we and we kind of see that it's kind of neat to see that within our discipline now when we go on our geology field trips and seeing that same kind of bonding that takes place, and even people out in the field for two weeks maybe on some of our longer trips, and it, it's just kind of neat to see some of the relationships that evolve from from those experiences. So tell us more. Yeah. Tell us about the trips. Ah, 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 the trips. We are really big in, into uh, field trips. We really do promote those. Now, when I was a student here, we basically, and I was a geology minor in, when I was uh, an undergraduate geography major. So I, I, I took plenty of geology coursework, but I didn't I didn't go on a lot of field trips. And there, there really weren't a lot of field trips offered at the time. And, and we really expanded that over the years to where we have a running fall field trip class. Every fall, we do that right at the beginning of the semester before things get really hectic and before the weather gets bad in some of the places. Because we may go out to the mountains in Colorado and, and uh, winter comes a lot earlier <laughs> to those places. <laughs> so we get in there, you know, late August, early September. And then we've uh, more recently, well, it's been since 2013, so it's not new now, but we've expanded into the summer where we do a roughly two week, two and a half week summer trip. And we just wanted to get students out there for a longer period of time, be able to immerse them in the field even more than with that fall field. The fall trip is usually uh, five or six days, depending on where we're going. And then in addition to those experiences, the uh, uh, some of our major classes, our upper division geology classes, have a field trip component built in. And so every every spring, there's a couple of classes that go together and they go to southeast Missouri for several days and, and look at the geology because it's amazing how different Southeast Missouri is from Northwest Missouri. It's a 
it's it might you might as well be going to Colorado. It's it's nothing like this part of the state. And we try to convince the students who say, no, trust me, it's not just more of what you see around here. It's completely different uh, setting. And uh, they, they usually come away with a really good experience because of that. That uh, yeah, so we really promote that. And that's that's kind of a one of our recruiting uh, tools that we use when we try to talk about talk about the discipline, talk about our programs. We really put those field trips out there because that's something that is just invaluable to get people out in the field. And, and then it's kind of our profession-based learning that we have here within mm-hmm. our program. So they, they, we really devote a lot of attention to those. What do you do on, do students, I mean, obviously you're probably looking at rock formations or looking at some of the natural geography of the place, but what other things do you do on those trips? Well, we, yeah, I guess the main point is we're trying to just put them in these settings that we talk about in class. So it's one thing to see a PowerPoint or even a little rock sample that you may have in a lab. So, okay, there's what that rock is. And that's all well and good, but it's, it's something altogether different when you're climbing around on this stuff and you're actually walking up these mountains, you're hiking down into the Grand Canyon and, and then trying to make the trip out of the Grand Canyon <laughs> and fight <laughs> off rattlesnakes and everything else. Uh, so we're just trying to just make these concepts that we talk about, the structures, the rocks and minerals and things that we talk about in our classes just kind of come to life right there. And it's right there in their faces. And and then we try to tie that into other things too, like uh, weather and climate. And that's where I, I, I enjoy it since that's been my passion for years is the, the atmospheric side of earth science. And so I try to incorporate that into it. And so when you're out West and you're going up and down mountains, you know, if you don't like the weather where you're at, just driving up the road a little bit, you're going to climb up into snow or you're going to drop out of that into warm temperatures on the other side of the mountain. And it's just amazing how tied the geology is to the rest of the natural world out there, whether it be biology or atmospheric science or whatever. It's it's just, there's no better way to experience that than to do just that experience at firsthand and be there. So that's, that's a big part of what we're trying to do with, with those field trips. And so what are some of the jobs that your graduates are going into? You know, they're getting those great experiences and of course, learning the theory stuff in class, but when they get done, what are, what are the types of jobs you're seeing them go into? Recent years, we've seen, uh, a big push for environmental positions, environmental consulting. So uh, we've had students go and work with government offices. Uh, we have several that work with KDHE out in Topeka. It's a Kansas Department of Health and Environment. And there's a lot of water quality work that they're doing out there. So we have several of our students now still out there. And then sometimes that provides uh, a stepping stone into maybe a private environmental consulting firm. There's some students that have recently gone into mining and petroleum, and we still have students in those areas uh, as now. And it might not be from an environmental standpoint, but just doing the work of being a mine geologist and trying to work with a mining company to, to help them better understand the extent of that ore body and exactly how the mine should expand in the near future and how what the, what the expected mine life is going to be like, you know, where are they going to run out of war? Uh, how, how should they try to stretch that out as much as possible? Those are some of the areas. We've, we've had some success getting students into the national park system. And so we have some students right now working with the national parks and they're working as a park ranger. They're working with a naturalist or, you know, maybe in a kind of an education role where they're work, giving cave tours possibly and, and working with the public directly. And uh, to teaching kids and field field trips that come through the, their parks, you know, and and so that's kind of a nice thing that really has been a, a little more recent thing that we don't have maybe the the history with that, but at least for the last ten years or so, we've had pretty good luck getting people into those or or state parks as well. 
So yeah, it's kind of a neat variety that we've got going on with the positions. If you could give us, and maybe this is going to be random, this is like a random like fastball at you. <laughs> I'm ready. What is like maybe a random fact about geology or geography that most people don't know that they should know? Oh, wow. Oh, that is random. That is a fastball across the plate. Um, yeah. Random fact that they don't know but should know. That is tough. I'm going to think about that for a second. We have to come back, circle back to that one. Okay. Sure. Um, I feel bad. Yeah. I told you you didn't have to well, prepare, and then we throw it. I guess, at you. Yeah, really, really. I, I didn't have homework. Like, <laughs> well, but like, actually, in all seriousness, so it, um, the way students react on our, our field trips, seeing the connection between geology and so many of the other things out there in life, the way we develop the landscape, the way we farm the land, if we farm the land, what we farm on the land, so much that can be tied back to geology water resources. You, you go out west to the Cascades, which we've gone out there to like Portland, Oregon, and, and seeing things like Mount St. Helens, Mount Rainier, and that wall of mountains that extends from Washington down into California provides a huge divide in climate uh, because the air is forced up off the Pacific. You squeeze out a lot of water on one side, so they have lush forests. We have some national parks with beautiful forests, uh, very dense old growth forests hop across the mountains, and it's a literal desert on the other side. And if you want to grow any crops there, you're going to have to irrigate. And it's just because the mountains are there. If those mountains weren't there, the landscape would look completely different as far as our use of the landscape, the way we develop the landscape. So, yeah, I think that might be something. I, I see students react to that, how, how surprised they are, how things change so quickly uh, as you go up and down the mountains in terms of the ecosystem. And um, and that that's, I think, until you actually go out there and see it firsthand, it's not something you just can take out of a textbook or out of a course lecture or something. It doesn't mean quite as much. So that, that, I think that might be something. How much geology factors into our daily lives, maybe in a general sense, that might be something that we want people to know about. And, and uh, a lot of people don't know about <laughs> that connection. You know, that that just brings another thought to mind. I didn't, I noticed that. No, I noticed that I flew into Phoenix and then we drove up to the Grand Canyon and you can see in your drive, you know, you're probably going up in elevation. You can see all of those. You can kind of see how the landscape changes as you go up in altitude. And it's a very interesting change. I hadn't really noticed something like that, but you kind of brought it to my mind there. Yeah, I didn't think about it in terms of geology, but I mean, like the whole area, right? Sedona, Phoenix, yeah. like it's all a tourist and all of those kind of touristy parky types of things are tied to the geology of the area. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's so much that. And, and unfortunately, we, we don't see as many students as we would like anyway, coming out of high schools with a lot of geology background. They're exposed to some of the other sciences, maybe a little bit more. Uh, biology and chemistry and certainly not a knock on those sciences. That's just the reality that those are more common in high schools. And every once in a while, we'll get somebody ahead of an actual geology class or an earth science class or something like this. So it is happening, but just not as much. And so we get students coming in here and, and we're, they just don't have much background in, in that. And, and it's kind of neat to see that when when that light bulb does kick and click on, you know, and, and they all of a sudden realize that, oh, things are, this isn't just some random talk about rocks and minerals and mountains and so on. It, it actually does uh, affect everything we see out there in the natural world and, and the cultural landscape, the way we develop the landscape. Whenever we have professors on, we always like to ask for advice. So obviously, you know, you've taught at Northwest for, for several years and I'm sure interacted with thousands and thousands of students. Any advice for people maybe coming in or 
you know, maybe things that you've seen successful students do. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. For students, keep all your options open because I came in again, I was adamant about not teaching and I have spent 32 years not teaching. I guess maybe, maybe that has double meaning. Maybe I haven't been teaching, but uh, don't shut those doors before you even have looked in there to see what's going on. Cause that's kind of what I was doing, I think. And I've seen a lot of people do that over the years where they just come in, they know they want to, they want to do this. And sometimes that works out and that is their path. But so many times they get in here and they start taking some classes in this subject area that they thought they were in love with. And they realize, well, that's not for me after all. And, and so for students coming in, I would say that, but even students, as they get close to graduation, even then still have an open mind when you leave with this degree uh, you have, especially in geology, the degree is so broad. The field is so broad. There's so many different things that, that you can do with a geology degree. And just be willing to go out there and start getting some experience. And you, may, you don't just have to have that dream job right out of the gate. You know, the lucky ones, certainly that can happen. But more often than not, you get out there and you start getting some experience. You're in the area, in the realm of geology, but maybe it's not what you want to do for a long-term career, but don't just give up on it. Spend some time with that, get some more experience, set yourself up for the next one. And so you may go through two or three jobs before you settle on that one job. And and now you're off and running and now you've, you've got that path. But uh, yeah, keep a broad perspective because I, I remember that feeling when I was getting ready to graduate that I I was afraid if I chose the wrong path, then that'd be it. And, you know, I'm, I'm done. I'm just going to sink my life. You know, that's it. And, and then I realized now how ridiculous that was that, no, if I don't like this job, just get another job, you know, look, look elsewhere. You go to grad school. Well, it's not working out. Okay. Stop going to grad school and just go get a job. So yeah, there's always plans B, C, and D out there. It's, it's not a quite that, uh, it doesn't need to be that stressful when you leave. And, and uh, so that's some of the advice I give to students both early on and when they're getting ready to leave Northwest as well. Yeah, I don't think we've talked to a single person so far that like followed a set path to where they are. It's always the winding road is what we always take, and that's the best way to go. So yeah, that's definitely solid advice. So excellent. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate it. It was great to chat with you today. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, that will do it for another episode of Behind the Bearcat, and we will talk to you next time. Mm